How are we? Are we good? Yeah? It is such a blessing and an honour to be here. I've been to Northern a, a few times over the last several years, but it's kind of lovely to be here in a more formal capacity. Um, it is the 1st of September. Did we know that? The scary reality means that that is now three months till Christmas. Are we there yet? <laughs> has anybody, like, like, is anybody that organised that they already have some presents in mind? Yeah? Uh-huh. No, no, be, be proud about that. You are very organised people. It is, you make this world work. <laughs> it's wonderful. So we are three months and a little bit until Christmas. Um, so we are, we are moving really uh, into a season of expectation. We are moving towards the gathering of the story that is Christmas. Uh, Christmas does not just happen on the 25th. Uh, for us to really understand the story of Christmas, we need to go into it. We need to explore it. We need to actually go on a bit of a, bit of a journey with Christmas so we can fully appreciate what is happening. And so as we're heading towards this journey and this wonderful season of Christmas, um, we begin with Isaiah. Isaiah, the prophetic book of Isaiah that, that reads from the distance and informs the Messiah to come. And it reads uh, and it brings a message to a, a corrupt, to an evil and an unjust society that was um, his context. Um, so let's just read, well, I'm going to read it, um, uh, Isaiah 4, 1 to 6. Uh, and feel free, to, feel free to use a phone or a Bible if you've got one. Uh, do not discriminate. So, Isaiah 4. In that day, seven women will take hold of one man and say, We will eat our own food and provide our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name and take away our disgrace. And in that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. And the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors of Israel. Those who are left in Zion, who remain in Jerusalem, will be called holy. And all who are recorded among them, the living in Jerusalem. And the Lord will wash away the filth of the people in Zion. And he will clean the stains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and the spirit of fire. Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over those who assemble there, a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night. And over everything, the glory will be a canopy. It will be a shelter and a show from the heat of the day and a refuge and hiding place from the storm and the rain. It's a rich image, isn't it? So there's a couple of things happening here. Uh, Isaiah is a prophet. And like many prophets, his message is not always received well. Um, and Isaiah brings a prophetic word from, from the wilderness to the leaders and kings of Israel, announcing a time of judgment, of exile, but also that there is hope to come. And so Israel currently is under a threat of war, and the leaders are sort of pushing their agenda. And I'm sure we sort of know a little bit of that that's going on at the moment. Um, leaders are pushing their own stuff. And so there is great wealth, but there is also great poverty. There's, there's sort of two ends of the spectrum going on. And Isaiah uses imagery and language that describes 
almost a, a gluttonous, a kind of greedy, uh, oppressive, idolatrous sort of society. It's, it, it reads as a pretty, pretty difficult read. And so they, as a nation, as we read through this, this is the image we get. They, as a nation, Israel, had, had forgotten their own story. Uh, they, they'd forgotten who they were called to be. They were called to be a shining light among all nations. They had forgotten their own story. They'd forgotten about their own exodus story of migration and being lost in a foreign land. And this is not just an issue for Israel. Uh, this is a human issue. This is something that we always need to be reminded of remembering where we have come from. Our own personal story has power. Who we are and the world we want to build matters. What we do today matters. How we walk upon this earth matters. Reconciling our past and building our future, uh, that, that matters to God. And so the message from God here is something's got to change. Something's got to actually be a bit of a shift here. And so within this message of destruction and chaos, there is a message of hope. And as the prophetic message was, was read when they were in Babylon, it sort of screams, uh, hope is coming. Just wait, hope is coming. And throughout the generations waiting for the branch of the Lord, as this prophetic message was recited again and again throughout the 400 years that God was silent, the message from the prophet was still the same. The Messiah is coming. It's coming. It's coming. And so in verses 2 to 6, we see this announcement of what is to come. It is a message of hope and restoration for the lost and the lonely. The Messiah is coming, it says, and it will be glorious and wonderful. And God will bring protection and peace over his people. You know, he will bring refuge and shelter for those who are weary he will bring peace and he will bring honor for those who, who only know shame. You know, it's a, it's a gentle image of God. It's, it's an image of God bringing unto him the broken and the restoring. He's bringing in the souls and, and, and reconciling past wrongs and everything is brought under his presence. It's a gentle image of God. It's a beautiful image. And so to contextualize this, I can't help but think about some of the challenges we have in our own story. Um, and one that really comes to mind is the challenge around uh, Indigenous inequality in this country. And in our own context, there has been uh, a battle going on in Western Victoria um, with the Wurrung people. Um, there are some sacred and profoundly, profoundly significant trees that are set to be removed for a road project. Um, and these trees, are some of them are scarred, so they're, they're boundary trees. They, they have heritage and they, 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 there is enormous symbolism within them. They have significant cultural identity and story. However, some of these trees are also what they call birthing trees. And these trees, some of them are up to 800 years old. 
And they are an intrinsic connection between people and story and country. And so while our current federal government is discussing the merits of whether to include Indigenous people within the Constitution, our state roads entity is seeking to knock down these trees to save two minutes of travel on the Western Highway. And while I don't know all the intricacies of this story, and uh, this is not my, my culture, um, however, I am aware that, um, you know, to, to quote Martin Luther King, uh, injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's symptomatic. And so this battle represents the ongoing exile that First Nations people feel within their own land. Uh, Richard Raw says this, how we do one thing is how we do everything. How we do one thing is how we do everything. And if Isaiah was writing a prophetic book to address our own injustices, surely he would mention the way we treat Indigenous people in this land. Isaiah reminds us that how we walk on the earth matters. How we treat one another matters. How we respect one another matters. Because we are all, we are all God's children. And so just 200 years, just over 200 years after Isaiah's message, uh, Israel finds itself in exile in Babylon. And the nation is no longer a nation. Let's just understand that really well. It is no longer a nation. It is without its temples. It's without its rituals. It is simply just a gathering of people thrown together. They are literally survivors of all that is left from that conflict. And in a similar way to the indigenous people in this country, they've, they've lost their connection to people, story and country. Um, their culture doesn't really make sense or exist anymore. And in Babylon, God's people are scattered. And from this, this spiritual exile, uh, the prophet Jeremiah comes into play. And God brings Jeremiah a message of hope. Hope and blessing for a time when, when life is dark and dim. Hope for a time when nothing uh, seems possible. And Jeremiah 29 reads th this beautiful poetic uh, story, and I'm sure we all sort of know it, but I'm just going to read it to us. It's, uh, Jeremiah 29, and I'm going to start at verse 10. When 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back from this place. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen and you will seek me and find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you and I will bring you home from captivity. And so there is so much to go through here, and I feel like we could spend uh, a whole series talking about what that actually looks like. Um, but what we do see here is a desire from God's heart for a picture of His people. And while we all know the verse, for I know the plans I have for you, I feel like my, my, my mom wrote that in my Bible, in my very first Bible when I was a kid. We all know that section. 
um, it's important to go back to verse 10 uh, because verse 11 comes at a cost. Israel still needs to learn the error of its ways. They've got some stuff to deal with. And as we see at the beginning of Isaiah 4, partnership is also essential. And as Australians, we've, we've got some stuff to deal with. We need to deal with our racism. Uh, we, need to de- we need to give a voice to Indigenous Australians. Uh, we need a treaty. We need a treaty. Uh, our approach to immigration, um, I don't know, quite honestly, I feel is pathetic sometimes. It, get, it gets lost in, uh, in, in sound bites. Uh, we need to find a deeper and more constructive ways to deal with complex issues. And we can provide better shelter. We can, can provide better shelter and refuge for our homeless and those at risk. We can do better at dealing with humanitarian issues associated with climate change. Uh, we, we know how to do these things. And similar to the prophetic words um, of, of the prophets, these are difficult things to hear, but they must be said. Because if there is one thing that Isaiah tells us, it's that um, our actions must reflect the people that we claim to be. Our actions must reflect who we call ourselves. You know, God cares about humanity. God cares about who we are. God has a, has a big heart for all people. He has a very big heart. God cares about restoration and God cares about reconciliation. And God's master plan to redeem his people is fulfilled through Jesus. But it starts with the contribution of all his people. It starts with us. And the invitation is there. And we are never too late to jump on board. Uh, This is the, the invitational radical story of God. And in Luke 14, we, we, we sort of get a picture of this. And if you could just chuck up that slide, that'd be great. I'm sure this is what Christmas is going to look like in three months. Yeah? Anyone feeling a little bit hungry for some, some roast lamb at the moment? Some cheese that's looking good? In Luke 14, Jesus begins to talk about what this invitational kingdom can look like. And Jesus describes a banquet table. Isn't that beautiful language? Yeah, that's, that's the gentle invitation of Jesus. Jesus describes a banquet table that a wealthy man prepares for all his friends. And it describes it as coming at huge expense, which is, of course, what we would do if we were having some food. You, you don't do it softly. You, you do it with extravagance. Yeah, we want to invite everyone we have and we want to spend some money celebrating. And when the time came, all his friends had better places to be. doesn't feel good, does it? So the master, uh, he calls out to the lost, the vulnerable, the rejected uh, people in towns, in back alleys, those who are living in dark and heavy places. The indigenous, the refugee, the homeless, uh, the single parent on, on Newstar, those who are walking in heavy ways. And he says, come in, come in, enjoy this feast. Find your place at this table. Find an easy place that is light. 
all are welcome to eat abundantly at this table. And for us, for us, this is a picture of the kingdom of God. The prophetic word that is fulfilled, that is active and vibrant. It is not putting you in your place. It is inviting you out of your place into experiencing lightness and goodness. It is a picture of universal inclusion, not exclusion. It creates a canvas whereby God is painting the picture and we are invited to assemble the colors and participate in the creation itself. And so through Jesus, we are reminded again and again, don't forget about your neighbor. Don't forget about those um, around us who need some help being lifted up. Don't forget to advocate for people because the kingdom is revealed uh, through Jesus and is inherited by us as the new creation found in Christ. And so my question for us um, is, are you tuned into God's vision for your neighborhood? That's a big question. And it works at a personal level. It works at a church level. It works in lots of different ways. It's an ongoing story. Are we tuned in to God's vision for our neighborhood? Are we tuned in to his big heart for our neighborhood? Are we tuned in to his abundance for our neighborhood? How is the message of restoration playing out in our families, in our communities, and in our networks, in our sporting clubs? In every, every part of our week, how is God's abundance and restoration playing out in every corner of our lives? And so you may feel like you've been, like you've been Jeremiah, like you've been waiting 70 years to experience that sort of thing. You may feel like you're not ready to deal with some stuff and you may feel encouraged and called to begin your own sense of a banquet table. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be fun? But in all things, through Christ, the author of love and hope, through the Spirit who strengthens and encourages, and through God who holds all things together, all things, may you not walk away from the injustices around you. Where it is needed, may God give you a spirit of peace and hope. May God give you a picture of what the kingdom of God looks like in your world. And, and friends, may we be courageous enough to ask God for that vision. God, what are you saying in my neighborhood? Or what are you saying that I can be part of? What are you saying that I can bring to this abundant table? And so I have a couple of questions for us. If we could just bring up that slide, that'd be great. Um, what does reconciliation look like in your neighborhood? And that's a really interesting question. It's, not, it's similar to restoration, but I think so often our neighborhoods need to be a sense of reconciliation where we are. Um, sometimes there are some, some, some wrongs that need to be fixed. Um, so let's think abundantly. What does it look like in your neighborhood? Big question. Uh, what does it look like in your family? Really aware that that's a significant question for some people. And that's something that is a, a lifetime journey. And just underneath that, what are you going to do about it? What are some simple things you can do about it? And then I've got an activity there, which I think we can all take away from, because um, it's always helpful to have like an activity. I have a dog, a really beautiful 50 kilo buff head. 
And the wonderful thing about this dog is that he needs to be walked every day. Um, so an activity you can do is do a neighborhood walk. Come in every day, walk your dog or, or, or go walking with someone and track your neighborhood. Who do you see? Who are, the, who are the people coming out of their houses at 7.30 rushing out to get, get their kids to school or get to work? Um, what, what, what does your neighbour do at, at, at 9 o'clock in the morning? Do a neighbourhood work, walk and kind of, kind of pray through that, God, who, who do I need to engage with? Who do I need to begin that restoration and reconciliation process with? And what can I do as God's hands and feet? So we're going to spend a bit of time. I think there's going to be some music playing. Take as long as you want, and we'll come back in after that. Jeez.